Hey, what's up, guys? This is Bee's Nest, a pop culture and lifestyle podcast. Thank you for hitting play. You can find the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and I always appreciate a listen or a review. I actually got my first sexually suggestive DM from an unknown the other day. And while I'd love for you to subscribe to the show rather than do that, the effort of reaching out and the atrocity of the message made me feel like I've truly made it. So if that is all the support you can muster, so be it. But truly, would much more appreciate if you subscribed, rate, and reviewed the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Kat Yaniga Jewelry. We are closing in on the end of the year, so the push to support your local Canadian businesses is real. Check out Kat's Canadian handmade pieces. She's got everything from necklaces and bracelets to earrings and rings at Kat Yaniga. That is J-A-N-I-G-A dot com. And use promo code Bee's Nest Podcast to get 15% off and let her know that I sent you. My guest today is Catriona Smart, but she likes to be called Coco. She is the founder of Halo PR Group. She's also a VIP party planner. She's also a lifestyle blogger at CocoandCo.com. And as if that wasn't enough, she also hosts a podcast called Conversations with Coco and Friends. And it covers an incredible array of topics like fashion and food to fertility and divorce. She's also just the loveliest human. And if you've ever spoken to her, you'll know how true that statement is. She came on the podcast to talk about her many businesses, how she's been working through the pandemic and what she's been watching because I have to hit that with everybody. We also even take on the topic of motherhood and Coco obliges me with tips and tricks to raising a strong, cool, confident daughter. If you've ever caught a glimpse of her own daughter, Harlow, on Coco's social media feeds, you'll know that she's got the formula down pat. This is a super quick talking to myself this week. I know I've been falling off with these segments. Sorry about that. But I'm always just too excited to get you guys listening to whoever is my guest that day. I don't think that you want to just hear me wax unpoetically about whatever topic I have in my head when I have such cool, fun, interesting people coming up. But this week, that topic is motherhood. Because like I said, it's something that Coco and I will cover a little bit later in the episode. Back when I first thought about doing a podcast, I thought about centering it on being a mom, but I eventually decided I didn't really want to tackle that. Because A, I know next to nothing about it still at this stage of the game. My little one isn't even two yet. And B, I did not want people to think that that was all I could talk about now. I have nothing against people that do talk about motherhood a lot or have centered their career or brand on it at all. Trying to raise a whole human person is an incredibly impressive feat. But I've been my own whole human person for so long before becoming a mom that I always feel like I need to try to prove that I have more interesting things to talk about. And sure, maybe a lot of people wouldn't even go so far as to call this podcast, where I cover Gilmore Girls, body positivity, and fashion and stuff, interesting at all. But it's become something that I love because it keeps me connected to things that I loved before becoming a mom and continue to love a lot while being a mom. Especially at a time like this, when I never get to leave my house and I feel like I'm just like a mom 150% of the time now. I'm also not quite so good at oversharing, although some people probably think that I am. There's a lot of things that I consider a bit more private that either I'm embarrassed to share or I just don't want to. And that's also something Coco and I are going to cover a little bit later when we talk about her incredibly personal and candid podcast. I am even going to let her in on a dark secret. And I guess I'm letting 
you guys in on it too of not really having wanted a daughter back when I was pregnant. I'm going to explain it a little bit more later. That's coming up. So why don't we just start my chat with Coco right now? Hi, Coco. Hi, Bianca. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. How are you keeping up during these times? I mean, it's a day-to-day, minute-by-minute situation. <laughs> I feel like it's a roller coaster that we just haven't gotten off of yet. Um, but I'm, I'm doing well. We're healthy, and I guess that's, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah. And you and I had been uh, exchanging a couple emails, and you mentioned that you're watching basically every show under the sun. Basically every show. <laughs> I mean, my threshold is like, I'll take it all. I'll try anything now. Yeah. Don't be selective. A hundred percent. What are, what are some of your tops so far? Oh, wow. Okay. So like currently industry, I just, well, it's, yeah, I guess I just finished that new HBO show, Lena Dunham directs. Okay. Oh, wow. It's amazing. Um, Queen's Gambit I loved, uh, The Crown, of course, uh, and then all, well, not all The Real Housewives, but I'm really getting into the amount of drama. In, is, is it Utah or Salt Lake City? Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely into that one. Okay. I've never seen an episode of any of The Real Housewives. Oh, wow. Now there's no better time. <laughs> I mean, get, get just like, you have like lots more time to sit and binge. Beverly Hills is, is a must for sure. There's a bunch that I just, I tried, but I'm, I couldn't get into. Beverly Hills, I don't know. There's just something about, like, I love LA and you get to see it. Um, and the women are insane. And then uh, the, 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 the Salt Lake City one is just, the, you know, you throw in the Mormonism and then there's all the different religions. Like there's like Jewish people, but they're living in Utah. And then there's this super Christian Baptist woman who married her grandfather. Like it's, it's a lot. What? <laughs> so funny. What? Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. You'll be on a ride. It's like, sometimes you just need to escape. Like you think your life is full of drama and then you watch that and you're like, no, we're cool. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> that was always my plan when I used to watch Jersey Shore. I was, in, I was in university at the same time that it came out. And I would just be like, I could be going, I could be doing so much worse. Exactly. Exactly. You could be snooky. I could. Here I am only really partying like maybe two days a week, going to classes. I'm doing fine. <laughs> only two times a week. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> Every day. It's like a job for them I to mean, like yeah. wake up somewhere they didn't know where they were. Yeah, I would send clips to my mom and be like, see, I'm doing great. I'm amazing. You should be proud. You should be proud of me. I mean, now they're like multimillionaires. It's true. I mean, I, who won I, on that one then? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but you mentioned Queen's Gambit. I also went through Queen's Gambit uh, with Anya, Anya Taylor-Joy. Mm-hmm. And she's a chess genius. Did you, when you first started watching that, were you a little bit like, I don't really care about chess. Am I going to like this show? I didn't, I actually didn't want to watch it because it was about chess. Okay. Like I was like, I don't like chess. This is going to be one of these like way over my head or I don't understand chess. Um, and I have never taken the time. So yeah. I was just like, yeah, I'm not. It. And then you start watching, you're like, okay, buckle up. <laughs> we've got pills. We've got like, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah we got a janitor there's a man in the basement and he's teaching chess like it was it was great yeah. It got, yeah I know I loved it I feel like my decades of watching shows like Law and Order mm-hmm. make me think that everything is gonna be a heinous crime so when she first went into the basement and saw the janitor I was like oh no yes I agree I totally agree with that <laughs> you're like what's gonna happen down here and they turn out to be like a lovely guy and she's the one that was horrible to him which is amazing but okay and then when she she got adopted the adoptive father I was like here we go this is happening <laughs> it's true it's true we we're always waiting for that super <laughs> creepy guy and some kind of murder right <laughs> no. so when I when I was telling people that they should watch the show and they're like, well, like I heard it was about like an orphan. Is it sad? 
And I was like, no, nothing bad happens to her. I mean, drug addiction and alcoholism and some really fucked up like mind sequences, but beyond that, all good. Pretty great life. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, it was good. I, is it based on a true story or no? No, it's not. Okay. It's based on a book, though. Okay. So now I have to get the book and read it. Yeah, it's probably even better, which is always the case. Right? Do you ever think, like, maybe if I was taking these tranquilizers, I would uncover this insane talent that I have? 1,000%. <laughs> like, I would be waiting. Like, it's like when you watch, I watched Limitless. I was like... I need this. I know it always goes downhill. It's never great, but even just for one day. Drop off. (laughs) Don't worry about the drop off. Just one day. Maybe I just really need that and I would unlock something that I didn't even know I had. Maybe that's why I'm mediocre. (laughs) Right? I could be like a legendary heart player, but I will never know. It's true. It's in there. It's somewhere. uh, It needs to be unlocked through (laughs) heavy medication. Heavy, heavy. I know. Well, I mean, they're starting to trial, do trials of um, MDMA with PTSD. So maybe we're that we're just that much closer to right. all of the drugs. You know what? No one's leaving their houses. Maybe now's the time True. to try all these experimentations. At least you're not on the street. <laughs> just fill your house with a bunch of different like board games, instruments. Lock the doors. Lock the doors. And you're fine. Lock out the sunlight. (laughs) You'll come out a genius in something. It's true. But, I mean, you called yourself mediocre. That's insane because you're an incredible businesswoman. A million times over, you have a lot of of stuff on the go at all times. Can you give me a quick rundown, as quick as you can make it, Mm -hmm. of all the businesses that you have running right now? Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have um, Halo & Co, which is a PR and communications agency. Um, I have Coco & Co, which is a blog um, and an events company, an immersive brand experience events company. And I have, uh, well, CocoCon is kind of resting right now, but it is a conference series uh, for women empowerment, um, but unfortunately, it really just lives in the space where women can come together in real life. Um, I know a lot of people have moved conferences online, but I just feel like that's just not for us. So that will be back when we can hang out with each other again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a podcast called Conversation with Coco and Friends. Mm-hmm. And it's um, with two friends of mine and colleagues, Pilar and Cleo, and we talk. Um, everything from millennial to motherhood. So we're all different ages within the millennial space. Um, And we just talk about our perspective and then also interview a bunch of friends. Yeah. I've been listening to your podcast last few weeks because you and I met for the first time a month, two months ago, perhaps? August. Oh, good God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Months and days just go into, I know. It's like, it's, they fold into each other now. It's fine. <laughs> like, in my head, it's still October. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. I know. I can't believe, like, Christmas is a couple weeks from now. It's outrageous. Mm-hmm. So you and I met, like, four to five months ago. <laughs> and I've been listening to your podcast, and it's fantastic. Oh, and you. I'm so impressed because you guys, you really do cover the gamut of, of topics. And I just want to know, like, how did you get so comfortable at being so open about so many different topics? Because I find even when I have people on this podcast, and I mean, I've only done a handful of episodes, mm-hmm. it's still, it's so unnerving to feel like, okay, well, you know, if this person's going to tell me about their life, like I should be equally as open and I should let go of some of my secrets, some of my private moments. How do you get comfortable with that, saying it to who knows how many people are listening? Um, I guess it came out of like a frustration. I loved social media when it first started, but what I, what I loved about it was it kind of felt really real. Like we just put really bad sepia like filters on everything, but it felt way more real. And then it became very curated, like curated to the point where it's like, if it's not beige, we're not posting it. And it just felt like, 
that's just not me. I'm always like really open in like in general, like to the people around me. And I felt like if I didn't do that on social media, then I was part of the problem. So if I didn't share the real stuff, then I was part of this, this like movement where everything had to seem perfect. Because from the outset, my life can seem pretty perfect. But the reality is, is you can make anything look perfect. And I wanted a, a lot of, I wanted people to know, maybe I could be the person to let people know that you don't have to live up to these crazy standards and feel so um, horrible about yourself mm -hmm. because you feel so alone because things aren't actually working out. I, I don't like this. It really bothers me, this, this idea that everybody has to pretend that like, you know, my marriage is together and my family is together and my kid's fucking perfect. And then you, you're at home and you actually want to like throw people out of the window. And so I just really, being authentic and open at first was very scary. But what I realized on the other end, anytime <laughs> I'm real about something that happened in my life, the like floodgates open and so many people reach out to me just saying thank you. Like, wow, you made me feel normal. And I'm like, well, I'm, that's all I want to do. I just want to make people feel normal. I don't want them to feel, because we went from a space where uh, everything was in magazines and we all held ourselves up to supermodels, right? This unattainable Photoshop. I mean, it's better, way better now, but this Photoshop ideal of a supermodel and what a woman should be. Mm -hmm. And now we have the opportunity to take that all away, but we're going right back into that space with filters and, um, Facetune and you know rentals of of places studios where you can have photo shoots to make look like you have the perfect house. You know, we're going into that even though it's user generated. So I just wanted I'm going to continue to want like to a lot of even my family's disdain and occasionally my fiance's disdain. Like I just want to be open and honest so that I'm not part of the problem. It's a yeah. long answer, but no. It's also way easier for women to recognize a sense of community when they feel like other people are going through the same things they're going through. And that comes through honesty and vulnerability and authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't agree with you more. Last year I wrote um, an essay for Today's Parent that was like the most personal thing I had ever put out into the world about um, problems that I had uh, breastfeeding after I had my baby. And like so many of my girlfriends that they had babies and we talked about our babies all the time, like messaged me or like, oh my God, nobody ever talks about this. Like everything that the doctors and nurses tell you are just like, you know, no, you'll get it. And as soon as it doesn't hurt, that's when you'll know that you're doing it correctly. And it's like, it always hurts. It hurts, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's also where you find, like I said, that sense of community where you've opened up now, maybe one of your friends feels um, open enough and not so scared to open up about that and not see it as this awful failure, but rather, oh, wow, okay, now I have someone to commiserate with. It's not that bad. And I don't feel like a horrible mother. And I just think there's so much of that that happens within, um, I don't know if it's only cisgendered women, but a lot of women are going through that thing where we have to put the perfect thing out here. And I'm so happy I'm good. because you know, you have a baby and then it's like, it's really, it's a struggle. But then you think about all the people who can't have babies and you're like, well, I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful. But no, there's, it's, it, there's um, so much goodness that comes with having those open conversations that then you, it turns into like a better situation for you, a better situation for your kid, better situation for your relationship. <laughs> Honesty is just the best policy, Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's cliche, but it's true. I mean, I there's a reason why it rhymes. Yeah, it's true. And there's also this thing that can happen when you're putting up a story about yourself that, it, like, we go into this interview, and I would have to like prep myself about my story. But, and that would, so it would make me very nervous if you hadn't sent me all the questions and I didn't know it had to be all canned, but going to this, this interview, I'm not nervous because I'm not lying, you know, I'm just telling the truth. Then sometimes I'm going to stumble over my words, but when you're telling the truth, it, it removes so much um, fear of being actually who you are. So mm -hmm. yeah. there you go.
There's a reason. It's just so much easier to stick to what's actually happening in your life. So you don't have to remember exactly. all the lies you've been telling people. Exactly. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> what's, been, what's been either your favorite interview that you've done or your favorite topic that you've covered? On the podcast? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So there's, there's been a couple. I really love the diff, like I love talking to people about their stories, especially the way we do, because it ends up being so much deeper. We had a, a conversation with Paul Jeffries, um, who goes by 1985, who's a producer, does a lot of production for Drake, and um, he has his own band called Division. And it was really interesting talking to him, not only about the music, but like why Drake doesn't do, um, press and, and then more importantly his perspective as a black man on Black Lives Matter. That was so interesting to me because we have these things that we put out there but when you actually really talk to people about how they feel he's really open and honest about his perspective on Black Lives Matter as a black man and I, I thought that was really amazing and we, could, we couldn't stop talking. It was like one of those okay we have to end now. Yeah. Um, Pilar and Cleo and I we're in LA recording a bunch of our um, podcasts and uh, one of the people, we were supposed to meet this fertility doctor and she didn't show up. So we ended up doing an interview. They interviewed me about having a miscarriage. And it was like, I've t I had talked about it before, but I had never like told kind of the stories around it. And I think that kind of like shedding of it all, even though it was really um, heavy, was really helpful to a lot of people so mm -hmm. that one was that that was one of my favorites and um Shanae Ingleton Smith who owns Kensington Gray uh, agency and is also an influencer I loved our interview because she just she's so open um about the influencer space whereas a lot of people are cagey with numbers and like what you should charge and all that kind of stuff she's so open about building a following and all on and how you make it um on instagram and social media that i, lo I just love that i loved how people can be really open um and then today's episode is with my ex-husband and talking all about uh divorce and co-parenting so that one was like, even when we were recording, like we got both got very emotional. So that one was like, you knew it felt like really real. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you post about that. And right away I was like, oh, got to listen to that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I listened to the one um, when you guys talked about fertility and right off the bat when you had said like, our guest isn't coming today. So I guess we'll just chat. I was like, where is this episode about to go? What do you do without your guest? I know. I know. We had rented studio time. So I'm like, we're not going to waste this. So let's <laughs> just go in. And you always think that they're not going to be as interesting. You always think that the people who have like the biggest following are going to, and they push the podcast, like that's going to be the one that garners the most engagement. And it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the case. And this is another case for authenticity. When you're actually just talking about real stuff that real people relate to, that's it. It just, it's like we've seen it in our numbers that that's what people want. They want to know how real people are doing real things. Yeah, I totally agree. I've done interviews with people who are like experts in their field. And you can tell that because they've been interviewed so much about it, their answers are just like so perfect, so polished. Yes. And they don't waver on anything they're saying. Like you said, like they don't mix over their words or anything like that. But then when you talk to somebody who isn't an expert, but has experienced something or gone through something, that's so much of a better conversation. And it's more interesting. It's not something that you can learn if you just like Google the topic about whatever someone talked about. You're actually Five tips on. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, <laughs> So with all of your, all of your businesses that you run, how are you as a woman and a woman of color able to really take control of everything? Because, you know, I'm not a woman of color, but as a woman, I have felt belittled in all kinds of businesses that I've worked in and not even had to worry about being the boss of a bunch of people. 
Are there any things that you've learned along the way? Are there huge things that you've had to overcome in your years? Yeah, I think um, I had to overcome that, that like thing in my head that it was always like, you're not good enough or you can't tell people what to do or, <clears throat> and I mean, not tell people what to do, but guide people, mentor them, be their boss. Um, because I was very deferential because I always felt for a long time this um, inferiority complex because a lot of the companies we represent and a lot of people we work with, men run the companies, right? So, you know, we're, we're coming in and as you see it stereotypically in movies, like the PR company or the events company, they're always like these little girls that run in and like are nervous and do whatever you want. <clears throat> so I had to get over that and start taking ownership on what we do and being proud about what we do. And so through that, that allows you to lead better. It's like, it's like understanding that your voice is worth something and that they're hiring you for a reason. So it is okay to give pushback sometimes and not always like crucify yourself for the client. There's so much time and that's what now once I've learned that lessons in instilling in our staff and people that work for us that yes, part of our mandate is to go over and above for a client, but that doesn't mean that then you have no life as a result, right? Because your client will push you <laughs> as much as possible, but you have to set the boundary. So allowing for myself to know that I do a good enough job that I can have a Saturday off or that I don't have to be on call, that I do not work in the ER. So as a result <laughs> of not being an ER doctor, I have the ability to turn my phone off and not always be on call for, um, for our clients. But at the same time, know that I do a good enough job and our team does a good enough job. And it's stepping into the to not the reality, it's just stepping into your power and knowing that you've made a good decision and being be at peace with that and not always feeling like, you know, feedback is one thing. So being able to take good feedback is one thing, but um, always second guessing yourself is, is something that just it becomes a time waster. Um, I don't really know what the question was anymore because I'm rambling. No, what did you say? This is the good conversation. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but you know, I've always been an entrepreneur and I think that what came, how that started was I was a bartender. Um, but there was for me a lot of shame around that in the beginning because, you know, like, yeah, I, I got a degree, but I, I did work in the service industry. But when I started to realize that that was the best training ground for so many things that I would end up doing, then I started to embrace where I came from. Um, and social media has helped because it tells you all these stories of all these amazing people who started working at Subway or <laughs> doing all these things. And that these um, difficult, not difficult jobs, but jobs where you were interacting with people and you might've been like low on the totem pole. It's a really great breeding ground and training ground for what's going to come later on in life. Um, so taking pride in where I came from and also taking pride in my failures has allowed me now to fail a lot faster and to like move on much quicker than I used to be able to. And as a result, I'm able to mentor and lead in that way from a place of compassion, but also from a place where um, I hope my staff knows that like, we need to make mistakes, but we also need to move on from them very quickly and um, keep trying new things. Mm -hmm. There's something about bartenders. Anyone who's worked as a bartender just has like this hustling oh, yeah. in them. Yes, I totally agree. And like one of the things my ex-husband ha has a real estate brokerage and one of the things he always says is like, yeah, I, I always hire bartenders. Like it's, they're, they're the best because they're always just, there's just this natural born hustle in them. Yeah. yeah. They have incredible energy. They have no tips, you know, <laughs> anything that needs, you have to make tips on, you got to hustle. Um, you know, speaking about having to be on call and trying to take a few days here and there for yourself, that has become harder to do now in the pandemic when you're always home and you always have your phone or laptop available yeah. to you. And People get stuck in that, like, I'm just going to check my email really quickly and make sure nobody needs me. 
And then next thing you know, like it's Saturday, 9am and you're working. So in the pandemic, especially because it's your own businesses that are at stake at a time when small businesses and personal businesses are really taking a hit. How are you, if you are at all, um, cutting between your personal life and your business and having some kind of separation between the two at home? Yeah, it's really hard. I I definitely have not mastered it. Um, One thing that has helped is Harlow's gone back to school. So it's given like that, I guess I get home from dropping off at like nine until three where it's like a super focus on work because she's not around. And then knowing that that after she comes home from school, that she has some homework and some things she wants to do, but there needs to be some time that I actually spend with her with no phone, then that's provided some structure. But I have to say, like, it's, it's very hard because everybody knows you have no plans. <laughs> You're not going anywhere and you have Wi-Fi. So it's like, you can't, like putting on an out of office is kind of hilarious. It's like, you're always in your office. <laughs> but, I, but that's one of the things that we've done um, is flex that, is use an out of office when we need time, just so it's like letting everybody know, just please give me a minute. Um, and I need it. We took a trip to Prince Edward County for two days. It was super short about a month ago, but that was so nice because we don't have vacation anymore, right? Like even when you're out there, I had taken all these pictures and did all these stories, but I saved them and I didn't post them because I really just wanted to be there. Once I did that, I put my phone away and I was like, whoa. I can read a book and not feel a twitch that I like have to pick up my phone because like it's going off constantly. It's setting boundaries and it's really hard. Like I, I, I haven't, I, like I said, I haven't perfected it because people feel like, our, and clients especially, especially because clients are at home too. So they feel like, well, if I'm working, like you can work too and they will push that boundary. But it's reminding them too <laughs> that it is the weekend or it is, you know, after seven and I need a little space. So it's, it, it is a balance though. I, I totally appreciate because you don't want to lose clients either. Yeah. That's the hustle. It's like, ooh, when all I'm just thinking about is like, can this just end? <laughs> you know, so we can go back to some regular structure. Yeah. So people know when I'm inside my office, an actual office, yes. and I'm working, feel free to email me, feel free to call me. But otherwise, no. <laughs> I actually like, I'll have missed messages from like 8 p.m. and I'll feel just so bad and like, oh, other people responded. I wasn't around. Why didn't I respond? And then you like, it's eight o'clock at night. I know. Like, give me some space. Like, <laughs> it's like, you, I mean, it's more now that we have to actually say, like, you have to set those boundaries, which can be really hard. But it really, like, and not feel, not, um, feeding into the guilt. I know it's like people will email you at like 11 p.m. and then you'll see people following up at 7 a.m. and you're like, well, I don't, I, I've put my space and I don't want to check my emails until after I drop off Harlow. But then there's been 32 messages that have been exchanged between the people that don't care. And you're like, fuck, I suck. <laughs> but at the same time, maybe just having those boundaries creates more peace. I've, I've been sticking up for myself in that because most of what I do is the creative part <clears throat> and it doesn't work in, in this like a hundred emails back and forth. Like it doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to a creative process for me. Mm-hmm. So I've just really tried to lean into the, like, I'm not checking my phone at this time and I'm not checking it. So you guys can wait you know, but I've, I've, I've gotten there. I, I do realize that there's a lot of people that their businesses won't allow for that. And, and that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. And you would think like after nine months of doing this almost an entire year that there would be some, some stability, some kind of a schedule that everyone, you know, like you said, people who aren't working in the ER. Yeah. Like fine. Those guys are on call. Right. But, People in like the creative industry, can't we all agree that nine to five is still perfectly fine? Oh my God, I totally wish. (laughs) So, 
You talk about your daughter Harlow a lot. How old is she now? She just turned eight. Okay. Like grown. I know. <laughs> Crazy. It's like how? Like we just want to shrink them to stay. <laughs> um, I have a daughter who's gonna be two in January. So I want all of your advice <laughs> about no pressure, how to raise a strong, confident, cool daughter. Because I've seen your daughter on your Instagram. She's cool. <laughs> she's got style. She's got an attitude. Oh, she does. And I'm yeah. like, this. She's got the sass. <laughs> she's my influencer. <laughs> That's so amazing. Um, it's tough um, to put it into like one or like a small. I don't. I don't really know. Most of it is. It's just like trying, like tripping over myself, trying to figure it out. Um, she's obviously born with a personality. So she, she came out, I always say she, when she was in my belly, she literally didn't stop moving like the whole time. She was just spinning. Like, I'm like, oh my God, would you just chill child? And so she came out and she just doesn't stop moving. Like that's her vibe, you know, it's just like very funny. Um, but I talked to her like she's a peer. Um, we set boundaries. She likes rules. Uh, she works within that that space. But I also don't let her do whatever she wants. Like that's it's it's um, you know I have a Jamaican father <laughs> and a very strong Scottish mother, and you know they they weren't allowed to do anything they wanted, and and Harlow's not allowed to do any, everything she wants. I let her though see that I work hard, um, and that that's important to me so it's important to her i think she's really picking up on that you know she's she in the first part of covid when we, there was no school um but we were still kind of doing stuff at the hotels um doing photo shoots she would just rode with me she's just like came around and uh so there's i exposed her to a lot of stuff uh and and a lot of adult conversations so when we could we would have dinner parties or people over and she's always at the table um and now now she has some really strong opinions and debates with my <laughs> friends um about smoking cigarettes and swearing because those are not okay right <laughs> nice yeah i think my parents always had us around and they always had people over so they really socialized us um with adults and then it just kind of made us feel more comfortable in those situations, which I think is great. Like there's not a, a kid time and a parent time, mm -hmm. you know? And then there's boundaries and rules. So it was, it was like when we first went into COVID, it was just, it was the wild, wild west. Like everybody was sleeping in, everybody was staying up too late, everybody was eating whatever they wanted. Yep. Uh, and then I was just like, this is not working because still she's doing whatever she wants, but she's not happy. Uh, so we put we put up like a lit like a schedule for the whole day of what she had to do, and she became a way better child because kids need boundaries. Yeah. And when you provide those to them, you know, not all kids, but it really worked for her. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The beginning of the pandemic, like now, baby is back in daycare, but at yeah. the beginning, like because you know we're both working full time, and she's at an age where she can't go off and do crafts by herself oh, that, <laughs> even though uh, i would set up crafts for her to do she'd be bored two seconds in yeah. she came to one of my work meetings just covered in paint <laughs> oh, they're like is everything okay over there it's just like, like no literally no but okay <laughs> we're gonna pretend this, this was supposed to keep her occupied for like 10 minutes that was 30 seconds ago and she's already clamoring for something new and we were we were a TV house for quite okay. a while. Yes, and that's another thing. Forgive yourself on all that stuff. Um, I'm giving like I'm telling you kind of what we did, but that doesn't work for everybody. So like there's these listicles and these like parenting things where they're just like do this, do this, do this, do this. It might not work for your child. We all have different um, different children, and they're all different. It's just trying new things and being willing and knowing like. I look at her and sometimes she's like, oh my God, she's me. Like, she's a little me. And fuck that. Like, because I'm like, <laughs> the, like the worst parts of me. 
And then sometimes she's like her dad and oh my God, you're just like, oh, how do I do this? But it's like trial and error and, and also respecting who they are as an individual, right? Because mm-hmm. you want, is it, there's this like thin line between them being really well behaved and you taking away their, their spirit, right? And sometimes I'm just like, just do that! <laughs> it's like, wait, they have to have an opinion, you know? Because you don't want to raise uh, uh, the, the nice girl, right? There's this whole argument where like um, for so long parents were just like, well, that's not what a nice girl would do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, nice girls don't rule the world, you know? And that's a different way than you, the way you would talk to a little boy. Yeah, 100%. Even though, you know, she's still quite tiny, I do really try not to put all of those, you know, characteristics that are inherently considered female on her. Like, I hate when I accidentally call her bossy or dramatic. Yes. And I try so hard, like, when she is not even, like, in anger, she's just, like, playfully screaming at the top of her lungs. Just like, yeah. Let your voice be heard, babe. What do you have to say? Exactly, exactly. That is, ooh, it's like that fine line between a polite child, you know, and then like one that is completely wild. You want, you want them to keep their wildness, but you do want them to have manners, but, mm-hmm. but not to the extent that they never say anything because they are so terrified of not saying it properly. It is a fine line and there is trial and error, but just knowing, I think just being aware that you want your daughter to be a strong woman is already leaps and bounds ahead of what so much parenting um, and so much like, not bad stuff, but heavy stuff that was put on kids before. So knowing like we're having in our head that we're having these conversations and we're like, I really want my daughter to be a strong woman. Just knowing that you're gonna do things naturally that enable that. Like for example, letting her scream, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you're just gonna let her do that. Or letting Harlow like have, have a debate with my friend about why he shouldn't smoke. Like, you know, you just have to encourage that because otherwise I can imagine families in the past being like, don't speak that way. It's very, very rude. But he was into it. She was into it. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. I hate hearing people say, well, be a lady about it. Right. Yeah. Like, what, how does that translate for the other gender? Yeah. You know? <laughs> you ever watch movies and shows about women back in the day in the 50s and 60s? Did they ever seem perfectly happy? No. <laughs> they all have drinking problems. <laughs> and the Queen's Gambit pills. What are they called? <laughs> I don't, they're tranquilizers or something. Tranquilizers, yes. <laughs> Good stuff. Honestly, it was, it was a lot of these um, conversations about like raising strong daughters and just always being a little bit extra worried about females that when I was pregnant, I had really hoped to have a boy. Yeah. And I actually like, when we found out that it was a girl, I actually cried because I was just like, what a life like it's so it's harder and there's so much more that can happen to her and trying to navigate that as a woman myself and also too like I was just saying like you know I remember me as a teenage girl and fuck I sucked oh man I sucked (laughs) oh man I'm just I'm thinking I'm like I'm going to lose her from the ages of 14 to 18. I know it already. Because, like, I was a dick to my mom for, like, five years. A mm-hmm. solid five years. And then I was putting on Harlow's snow pants this morning. And I'm like, oh, God, is it starting already? <laughs> like, the, the amount of effort it took to put these snow pants on and, the, like, the side talk. And, the, and I can't say... I'll give you something to cry about because that's just so inappropriate. <laughs> but I know why my parents said it to me. I was this close. I was like, oh my God. You know? Yeah. It's yeah. so much extra. And like you said, like it's not stuff that you say to little boys no. when they're running rampant. And you even hear like the cliche of like boys actually love their mothers. <laughs> like right. girls are going to hate their moms. I know. I'm a, but then there's the other cliches that they always come back. Yeah. So. So I'm like, okay, I'll just be at peace with it. But also like not being this crazy pushover that allows for, you know, you're so, you so much want your kid to love you 
Mm-hmm. That you're just like, I'll do anything for you. And then I'll, that creates a monster too. So you're never going to win. And just know, <laughs> no matter how much effort you put into it, your kid's going to want to go to therapy for one thing you said, and they're going to hold it against you. Like my mom was the best mom, but I'm for sure hold things against her that she said. Like, she's like, how do you even remember that? And I'm like, she's like, why don't you remember all the times that I dropped off McDonald's to school or like did really took you on vacations around the world. I'm like, I don't know, but I really remember that one time, you know, it's like, yeah, it's going to happen. We can't be perfect. That's hilarious. I have like one memory from my childhood that I always bug my mom about and she'll do the exact same thing. She'll be like, you know, there was a lot of amazing times that you had as a child. Like, I think I was a pretty good mom. Right. I was like, no, you were. But remember that one Halloween when I wanted to be Cinderella and you didn't get me the dress and then it was sold out? She's like, how do you remember that? (laughs) And honestly, like, it was a really expensive dress, okay, for you to wear for 10 minutes? Shut up. Or hate it anyways. (laughs) Right? The day would come and you wouldn't even want to put it on? exactly get out of here with that (laughs) but then now that i have a daughter she's just like should we buy her a cinderella dress that's the thing grandparents get right back at you because they're just like oh i'm gonna do all the things (laughs) that i wasn't supposed to with you yeah and anytime i'll say like don't let her do that tell her not to do that she'd be like uh that's not my job yes that's your job (laughs) oh my god yeah so they get it back they get to enjoy Exactly. It's all good. But yeah, it was just, it's a lot of pressure having a little girl. It is. And wanting her to, like you said, like, have manners, but don't be a robot and yeah. be strong, but, you know, be safe about it out there. I know. I know. It's impossible to navigate it perfectly. So you just have to try your best. Yeah. And she's going to be amazing. Yeah. Thank she you. She might hate you for a couple of years, but she's going to be amazing. Right? It's just going to be that, that teenage chunk yeah. where, you know what, we can just ignore each other. Exactly. Exactly. Like, that's fine. I don't like you either. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Those highlights are disgusting. Exactly. I told you. I told you. <laughs> <when> I <looked laughs> <at it. laughs> so many things. So many beauty mistakes. My mom was like, I wouldn't if I were you. I know. You got to do it anyway. I did. I did the most with the like. Luckily, my eyebrows grew back, but they were just like one, oh man. Oh, I say that all the time, like one hair all the way across. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. It was like not a good look for anybody. But she's like, please stop doing that. They might not grow back. I'm like, what do you know, mom? She <laughs> took a very long time. <laughs> yep. And like, bless her heart. I got extensions one time and not even like the good extensions. Oh. I got like glued in tracks. And my mom spent three days combing the glue, like, hair by hair out of my head. Bless her. And you're probably like, ow, mom. Like, it's like, why would you even spend money on this? I was like, it looked beautiful for a week. Get off my back. Like, I just wanted to be Britney Spears for a minute. My hair takes a very long time to grow. Right, exactly. That's why. It's a fucking weed right now but I can't cut it you're like I'm not cutting it yeah <laughs> you're like it's, it. it's your scarf <laughs> yeah exactly I only wear it down when the baby's not around because she's she jealous and she pulls it all the time <laughs> she's so sweet <laughs> she's pretty cool she's all right she's got this curly mop of hair that I don't know what to do with oh yeah <laughs> yeah Carlos is like um always getting <clears throat> so knotted and then she goes through a stage where like we can't brush it and I'm just Okay. Well, you're going to have dreadlocks really soon. And it's going to be horrible <laughs> for you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and I will look amazing. Yeah, yeah. I will start a trend at school. <laughs> you're going to get calls from all the other parents, like, our kids no longer comb their hair. <laughs> they found a way out combing <laughs> their hair. For <laughs> some reason, uh, Stella is obsessed with Sister Act and Sister Act 2. I love those. Loves movies. the musical montages. Yes. So I good. just I have to put one of those on as I comb through her Ooh, curls. That's good. And she's happy as a clam. Fixated. Yeah. I like that. Every it's now just... and then she'll give me like a really rude like side eye, like what, what do you do? Back there. 
you like she should watch Sister Act. I love Sister Act. It's He's so about good. to hit the high note. You love that part. Yes. <laughs> he does. Obviously, she doesn't know the words, but she'll do the hands when everybody has their hands up at the end. And when the crowd all starts to like clap in unison, she claps. Oh my God. Such I know. I'm like, so wholesome. Did I get it. you into performing? Yeah, let's go, baby. Garland? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Onto the pageant circuit you go. Go, baby. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's a good place to leave it of me forever scarring my baby by putting her into show business. <laughs> We're back with the tranquilizers, full circle. Moment. There it is! We'll put her on the greenies. She will discover that she can tap dance. And there's your retirement. My little cash cow. Thank you, thank you so much, Coco, for coming on. You are such a joy to talk to. You just have, like, the best personality. Oh, thank you so much, Bianca. I really appreciate it. I, had I love talking to you. I like, really... I've, ne I've, I've only done a few interviews for like a magazine or something, but talking to you was like talking to a best friend. Seriously. Ah! You're just like so kind and like engaged. And it was, it was such a great conversation with all the craziness that was going on. <laughs> so you're the best. I appreciate oh. it. <laughs> that is going on my tombstone. <laughs> oh my God, you're the best. <laughs> so much i can't wait to hear your new podcast episode um let people know where to find you where to listen to you where to follow along you can find me on instagram at at c-o-c-o-a-n-d-c-o-w-e our podcast is on all your favorite podcast apps um, it's called conversations with coco and friends and you can find us online at www.cocoandco.com beautiful I'm going to tune into your podcast. It's so good. People listening to this podcast, go listen to that podcast. Yes. Thank you. I love that. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon, girl. Thank you, Bianca. Talk Bye. To you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. You can always tune in on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And when you do, what do you think? What do you think I'm going to ask you to do? Subscribe, rate, review. Bees Nest Podcast. Most appreciated, you guys. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.